get fired up. I think a backup quarterback candidate has emerged, and plus we kind of have to talk about what's going on with the men's hoops team. I mean, it kind of is what it is. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, thanks for watching the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and participate in the conversation by commenting down below or upvoting the video itself. Now, we have to talk about the basketball team. I know, I know nobody wants to talk about that at the moment because there have been setbacks after setbacks after setbacks, and the same problem keeps emerging each and every single game, it appears. Now, luckily, Ole Miss plays Mississippi State Saturday, and they have a lot of the same issues. There's a chance for a W there. I would say it's a must-win game. But offensively, this team is challenged. Like, think Rod Barnes, end of the Rod Barnes era, challenged. That is what this basketball team, where it sits right now. You can see exactly what they wanted to do, and you can see exactly what he thought might happen. It's obvious that he thought Deshaun Ruffin and Matthew Morrell were going to be the linchpins of this team, that Ruffin was going to be 100% back, and Morrell was going to be the great player that we all wanted him to be. So he went out and found some role players that can play around them, that can feed them, that can let them be the leaders of the team, and they would just defend and do the dirty work. So they went and got a Miles Burns. They went and got a um, um, McInnes. Um, They went and got defensive players that could do all the water carrying. This is the problem that with that that happened. Those guys were not scorers. They were not recruited to be scorers. Anybody that expected them to do a great deal of scoring hasn't really been paying attention. They assumed that Ruffin was going to be back 100%. He's not. He's obviously not. I've always thought an ACL injury, you might be able to play in six or seven months. It's an 18-month injury. So the next year, Deshaun Ruffin will come begin to look like his old self. This year, he just has to get through. But that's the way it works with those injuries. And Matthew Morrell has struggled mightily in the first two SEC games. And really, in the games that there are major shot deserts that almost got into Memphis, UCF, even North Alabama, he did not perform to the level that he is supposed to. And remember, there's an expectations curve Um, for players and his is an extremely high level because we all see how good he could be but struggled again in Alabama struggled against Tennessee that's two losses for Ole Miss so without Ruffin being the dynamic scorer that they assumed he would be without Morrell being the outside threat and the score that they thought he would be as well this team is offensively challenged like severely Like, I would not be surprised at some point this season if there's a game played where both teams are in the 40s. That type of deal. Now, you still have some players and teams to come through. 
Like the Auburn game is not going to be easy. It's a game that Ole Miss has to win, but it's not going to be easy. Mississippi State is not going to be easy. Winning to Starkville is not an easy chore. Still has to be done. It's a must win at this point. Winning in Bud Walton, winning in against Kentucky, uh, playing those teams. They play Missouri twice, and Missouri turns out pretty good basketball team this year. So I don't know what I can necessarily say except don't have any expectations with this team. If you win, root for them every single time. Of course, we're always going to root for Ole Miss to win the game. But don't expect it. Don't even honestly get your expectations up at a high level because the shot deserts really do this team in. When they played Alabama, you could just see the difference in the two teams playing on the floor. You had one team that was confident, crisp ball movement, outside shots, scoring the basketball, and then Ole Miss would kind of devolve into some hodgepodge of really confidence-free basketball. That's that's the devolve area that goes down to is confidence-free basketball. Um, whenever they do the one-on-one stuff and the stuff that, honestly, I mean you've you've seen before. It, it just really it's really bad basketball. So where do they go from here? Honestly, if this has gone wrong this season, there I think they're eight and six now. Um, with two more teams that have been ranked in the last couple of weeks coming up next, what does Ole Miss do? How does it play out, for lack of a better word? And honestly, I don't know. This team is good enough defensively to win some games. That's extremely obvious. This team is bad enough offensively to lose every single game left on their schedule. So whenever you take the possibility that you could lose every game on your schedule versus, hey, the defense is good enough they can pop up and get somebody, that is not a good formula for for success moving forward. I mean, it just isn't. So we will see. The next two games are must-wins. For Kermit to keep his job, those games are likely must-wins. And even then, I do not know that Ole Miss is going to be able to win enough games for that to matter. And it's gotten to the point where the weight may be more than you can lift. So I guess the benefit is we're going to start talking about baseball next week. We're going to talk about Coach Yo's women's team, who's actually pretty good at the moment. They have a game tonight um, at the Pavilion at Ole Miss. I Suggest everybody go. Good basketball team. That and getting ready for the baseball season is kind of where we're at. Now we're going to do transfer portal. We're going to do spring football. We're going to do all of that stuff because this is primarily a football podcast. So we're going to talk about football every day, even during the offseason. And coming up here in just a second, we're going to talk about a potential emerging quarterback that has hit the transfer portal. Could be a godsend for Ole Miss. Might be nothing, might be something. We'll see exactly what it is. Anyway, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college ball season, um, which just ended, and, or basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you like podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline. It's where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, moving over to the gridiron and the football and all of this stuff, Ole Miss may have an option that has hit the transfer portal that's worth keeping an eye on. And that quarterback is Tristan Gebbia, or Jebby, I should say, out of Oregon State. He originally signed with Nebraska as a four-star recruit, ended up at Oregon State. He's a West Coast kid. He's from Calabasas, California. He hasn't played very much, but we have described on this podcast exactly the type quarterback that would be needed for a backup situation next year. Now, we hear rumors all the time, and they honestly won't go away. I don't know if I believe them. I don't know what's going on, but they won't go away with Spencer Sanders when, with him choosing between Auburn and Ole Miss. We'll see. I, I do think Spencer Sanders is going to end up at Auburn um, because, honestly, Ole Miss would not make any sense for him, multiple levels. That would be like inviting trouble within your locker room, bringing him in. Um, after what happened and everything that went on with Jackson Dart this season. So we'll see exactly what they do with that. But Tristan Jebbia appears to be the guy. Now, for those that don't know, his father is Rich Jebbia, who was a tight end from the, on the 1989 team. He caught the long pass from John Darnell to Rich Jebbia against Tulane in a comeback win. I think they won the game 35-30. to that was the cardiac revs. You had the game, the John Darnell to Reed Hines to beat Georgia. You had that game against Tulane. You had a drop pass in the end zone. They lost the game against LSU. They, they were in games most of the year. Um, but I think Tristan Diebia would be a good fit for what Ole Miss needs. He would be a grad transfer. He'd be a one-year type guy um, with DeMond Williams and potentially on Walker White coming on campus in 2024. You need that one year of a bridge quarterback. Now, everybody talks about Kincaid Denton, him being an option, and honestly, he is an option. You could probably give him an NIL deal, get him to practice, and get him to do basically a year um, and make it worth his while, even as a backup quarterback. Somebody that held field goals and did everything he did. He had a role on the team this year. You could make him the backup next year as well. But Tristan Jebbia would give you a little bit of padding. Now, there's also Mike Wright that's in the portal. There's some quarterbacks that are in the portal that Ole Miss probably should look at, but Jebby is an interesting case study of exactly um, what Ole Miss needs. Like I said, you need a body for one, you need a project for three. Those are the two options for quarterback right, right now, especially with the young guys potentially coming in. So, We'll see exactly how that goes. Now, if you look at the quarterback position at Ole Miss, 
I mean, you have Jackson Dart, and you have nobody at the moment. You have two freshman walk-ons. I will say that. You have two freshman walk-ons who were high-level walk-ons. They're not your typical walk-ons. They're guys that normally would have been a quarterback and gotten a scholarship offer to a G5 school. So it'd be G5 level quarterbacks. So, but they're young guys as well. I mean, you need some insurance because honestly, let's, let's be real here. If Jackson Dart goes down next year to a point where you need a backup quarterback, the season's shot anyway. But, you need to find somebody to put them in your best possible situation because, let's say, we, we've said over and over again, this team was built for 2023 and beyond. The start that they had in 2022 is great, but the team was built for 2023 and beyond. Now, if Jackson Dart goes down, you do owe it to those players to do put them in the best possible situation, and maybe that might not be Kincaid Dent. Maybe that might not be a walk-on quarterback. So getting a scholarship guy in the room to add a little bit of competition would be interesting. You want somebody that can push Jackson. I don't know if you want somebody that can beat Jackson, if that makes sense. Jackson has a couple of things that he needs to develop on, and if he does, he has a chance to be really good, like special good, like all-time Ole Miss quarterback, great good. He has those tools. But he has to get there. He's a work in progress. He's a young quarterback. If you take last season, that is the season before, if you put it on paper, Matt Corral had his six-interception game, his five-interception game. There was still more development with Matt Corral after the fact. Jackson Dart outperformed those as a true sophomore. Had a really good game against Mississippi State. Forced some stuff against Texas Tech, and a lot of that is because the blocking schemes are was just horrible. I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I think John Garrison has his work cut out for him, but how do you do it without changing the whole offense? And I don't know if they want to do that. I think they need to figure out a way to shore it up, either that or get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quicker. And I think they can with, like, mid-level RPOs on the linebackers, stuff that they didn't run. Um, would allow the ball to get out a little bit quicker. Running RPOs on the third level, the time that's involved in doing those, that that's a that's a difficult thing. That is a difficult, difficult thing. So all in all, the quarterback position is in really good shape. There are some options that are emerging for Ole Miss, and if you see it and you look at the totality of the quarterback room, they're fine. You look at the totality of the running back room, they're fine. Wide receiver room now, fine. They do have some work at the tight end position. That is something I'm going to pay attention to and see exactly what they um, do moving forward. And offensive line, like I said, until they do do something different than run block on every single play, I don't know if you can make a judgment about their pass sets needs to be more of a regular part of their offense if they're going to be good at it. If they're not, if you're going to do what you do, we'll see. Like In the end, this offense needs to look like it did against in 2020 and 2021. Um, it needs to be for, um, built like that. And heck, it needs to be built like FAU in 2019 when Charlie Weiss Jr. was the offensive coordinator. Harrison Bryant was around. That That's what the offense needs to look like. 
Defensively, we've talked about this. I, I genuinely think a 3-3 stack may be the way forward for this defensive team. And TCU did a really good job against Michigan defending their RPO game because everybody thinks of Michigan as a smash-mouth, ground-and-pound team. Well, they can hurt you a lot doing RPOs and things like that. And what TCU did was their linebackers played back at like 10 yards. There's no RPO that you can play on them because if they're stepping forward to the line of scrimmage to stop the run, they still haven't crossed that event horizon to where a decision has to be made to where it's going to be a run read. Uh, it was really interesting to see. There, there was some stuff they did where they were well off the ball. I don't know if that would work in the SEC because we talk all the time. In the SEC, if you offer a team five yards, they're going to take it every single time. So we'll see exactly how that goes. All right. In the third segment of the show, we're going to have Tim Thomas. Um, I'm going to get out a little bit early so we can talk to him a little bit longer because I'm sure Tim has some thoughts on the Ole Miss-Alabama game and the Ole Miss State game coming up. I mean, it, it, it should be interesting. Remember, next week we're going to start talking about baseball. We're going to flip our focus over to it and the defending national championship winning Rebels um, going to defend that champ crown. So we'll see exactly how that goes. But before we do that, I do want to tell you today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You know, are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fats and calories? Then you have to got, ha, then you got to try a Built Bar. You know, we just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, you want to eat a little healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste. Then, man, I got something for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they, they're they so delicious, they want, you think they won't be good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes the Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining a lazy, amazing macros. And what's even better, and they're healthy. They're only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. It's absolutely amazing. So, if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with the flavors brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. That is Built Bar right now. You know, it's really cool to have everything's going on. Their their bars are delicious. They're fun. I have I have them in the fridge right now. They send me like free samples um, from time to time, and I eat them. And they're really really good. And the brownie batter, you guys got to try the brownie batter. It's really good. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk to Tim Thomas about Ole Miss basketball. Stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and participate in the conversation by commenting down below or upvoting the video itself. We are here with Tim Thomas. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball, um, for better or for worse, Tim. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, better than the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, 
we talked about this last week. It, it was going to be a tough road trip. We knew uh, Bama is really good. Uh, they're uh, one guy, Brandon Miller, as you, we talked about. He's really good. He's NBA all the way. A couple other guys that's really good. Uh, so I knew it was going to be kind of bad. I thought I was hoping that we would give, play with some intensity. And I think we did to a certain extent, but it seemed like one of the issues is our shooting percentage. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that for a second. They were two for 23 from shooting, and one of the people that made a three was Miles Burns, which outside shooting is not his thing. Uh, but what do you think is going on with that? Because they shot, I think, 9% or something like that from three for the game. Yeah, I looked it up just a second ago. It's 8.3% for the game, uh, two for 23, 24. Um, I have a theory. A couple of years ago, uh, I texted Kermit. I have his phone number and all. And I would, every once in a while, I'll send him something, my thoughts. And uh, it was a couple of years ago when we were going through a super shooting slump. And I just thought it was my, my uh, obligation as a Christian to <laughs> tell him uh, maybe what I thought. I don't know if he really wanted to hear it, but uh, he, he seemed fine with the text. I just told him that weightlifting uh, causes issues with your shooting touch. Especially three-point shooting, and, and even inside on the you saw last night, Cuba made try to make a few short shots, and, and he just wasn't sure of himself. Even on free throws, sometimes it, it, you're aware. Every, every one of us has did some weightlifting, maybe not the extent uh, that others maybe, but when you do that, it, you know, your muscles uh, are different, and and when you're trying to shoot uh, the ball, that shooting touch, it, it's just not there. So that, that's one possible issue. It may not be. Uh, I know Kermit thinks, you know, they need to do weightlifting. Uh, several of the guys are kind of weak and not strong. They just got out from high school. And they need to buck up a little bit. And I understand all that. I do. I really do. We had an instance, uh, Bob Welling was my coach there, uh, Stroud and Tui and Carlos Clark. Also, we were all together those years, uh, 79 through 82. And uh, – <laughs> First of the year, we were lifting weights pretty regular before practice. And, and then we started games. And then right at the very first of the year, we started a game. We were still doing weightlifting. And uh, we were shooting atrocious. I mean, it was terrible. Uh, Stroud couldn't hit. Elsa could hit, Carla. And then uh, he said, hmm, weightlifting. So we cut out weightlifting the rest of the year. And I ain't saying we was great the rest of the year, but we had a winning record and our shooting was so much better. Yeah. I think you might be onto something there, honestly. Uh, you know, you mentioned Brandon Miller and he's a, an elite player. I know you guarded some dudes back in your day. What's a couple of those stories of guarding like a Charles Barkley or something like that, that, that you might be able to give the advice to younger players that are going through playing talented players right now? First of all, uh, we, you can't be intimidated. Uh, you can't be scared. Their name or, you, you know, maybe going pro, that type of things, freshman, All-American, first-round stuff, that's got to go out the window, in my opinion. You just got to flush that, and you got to step up, and you got to be a man. And some of the guys for Ole Miss seem like they were, especially the first 10, 15 minutes, they seem scared. You know, like we talked about several games, especially away games. It's tough. Uh, it's hard, uh, but I was pleased, you know, with the intensity against Tennessee and somewhat against Alabama. But Brandon Miller, 
is a NBA uh, first-round pick, no doubt. But in my day, if we want to go back that far, uh, Charles Barkley, we had a couple little, uh, not fist to cuss, but he liked to push you in the lower back. And I had back issues back in the day a little bit, still do. But he, uh, I, I said, I said, Barkley, don't be pushing me in the back. I, I was a great rebounder and a great uh, guy inside, and I knew how to play defense. So I blocked him out. He'd always push you in the lower back. I was guarding him. He was guarding me. And uh, I told him not to. I warned him. I gave him a warning. I did my Christian duty. I warned him. And the next time he did it again, so when I got the rebound, I just kind of, I was pretty well, just got, had the ball, and I kind of had my elbows out, and I accidentally hit him really hard in his sternum, if you know where that is. It wasn't well. He had to go out of the game. And I maybe call that a dirty player. I just saying, uh, don't be intimidated. Don't. Uh, let them think that you're scared of them or you feel like they're above or better than you are. Yeah. And, and that is something where our, our players could obviously take a note from as well. Let me say, I I don't want, I'm not advocating hitting people or being, you know, it's just sometimes uh, in the play football, any, any sport. Uh, sometimes you got to just make a statement and I didn't mean to hurt him. But I need to. I wanted to get his attention. Yeah. So Alabama has been a horrible matchup for Ole Miss over the last couple of years. I mean, for whatever reason, I think they beat Ole Miss by eighteen or twenty points last year. They won by twenty-two last night. It's just been a horrible matchup. Is there something that Alabama is doing, or is it just that Ole Miss isn't making shots? Overall. They have better ball players. They have the NIL. Maybe it's bigger, but as you say, if you watch the game, Brandon Miller. I'm not sure what he's getting NIL, but you, you saw five to eight players that were kind of you could just move one in, one out. And they were hitting threes and dunking the ball inside, blocking everything we shot. We were afraid to put it up, afraid it's going to block it. They have better selection of players. They're five stars are really, really good, and our four stars may be kind of like a three-star. So they have really good players. The coach, Oates, he does a great job with them. He recruits well, and that's the big part of it. As, as Kiffin would tell you, recruiting is the key to any great team. But they play yeah. together well. They were at home. Uh, they had a good crowd. So uh, they're, they're going to be uh, sweet 16. I can go ahead and put that out there. It may be better than that if they continue to improve. Alabama is really good. Yeah, and, and you look at the Ole Miss team, and I, I talked in the first segment of this show about what I think went wrong. And I think that he saw Matt Morrell and thought he was going to play like we all expected Matt to play. You thought Deshaun Ruffin was going to be healthy and the Deshaun that was out there early February before the LSU game. And then you put some role people in, some piano carriers, essentially, to um, do the work defensively. Because you're counting on Morrell and Ruffin to be this essentially dynamic duo of scoring. So when Ruffin wasn't quite where he should have been, because he's not he's not 100% healthy, um, Morrell is struggling, just, just crazily struggling. And it just gets to the point, where are the points going to come from? Now, I, I say all that to say this. How can we fix this, Tim? Yeah, good question. Uh, Kermit is thinking the same thing probably all night long. He probably didn't sleep a whole lot. Uh, 
one bright spot, and I pick on Jeremy, uh, Jamin, I'm sorry, Brakefield a lot. Uh, he he plays, he's playing well. He's probably the best player right now on the team. He's uh, rebounding well, shooting well. He seems to be doing things right. He's really getting after the ball on the on the floor, loose balls, 50-50 balls. For whatever reason, Morrell's not shooting well. I had my thought on it, weightlifting possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they weightlifted. They may have stopped last week or a year ago. But I know that was something that was happening when I talked to Kermit. So that, that could be an issue because that definitely hurts the uh, shooting touch. But Morrell, hopefully, uh, Lord willing, he's going to come around. He's got the potential. We've seen it the last couple of years. We saw that he, he can really score at times. Ruffin uh, can score. First half, he didn't do much. Second half, he came back, made a few shots, a few layups and stuff. His three-point shot was way off. He missed uh, the rim, I believe, twice altogether on threes. And then other time, he barely hit the side. And I was glad to see Miles got one. He got me on that one. Yeah, he made a three, and it was good to see. Uh, he, he struggles a little bit outside, but maybe he'll get his confidence. But it's like you mentioned last time we talked, that confidence is a big issue. But the only way you can get that is through practice, practice, practice. And I know they're doing that. And hopefully uh, this this Saturday, I believe they play uh, at Mississippi State. So maybe, you know, something could happen there. We get, get something going and maybe pull an upset. And then we have Auburn, I think, uh, next Tuesday night. Uh, I think it's both of them are on. I think one of them's uh, Mississippi State's on CBS, actually, mm-hmm. 1 o'clock Saturday, and I think the uh, Tuesday game against Auburn's uh, on ESPN, one of the channels. But, hey, you, you get an upset or two, um, good win, away from home, get a few home wins, things could change, momentum, uh, confidence, shooting touch. Things come together as a team. Defense keeps the intensity. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that's a perfect point where we can turn the page a little bit to the Mississippi State game Saturday. This is a game that Ole Miss can win. Now, it's hard to win down in Starkville. I'm not saying it's going to be easy or anything like that. But this is a game that Ole Miss people should really, if you're going to win one of the first four, this is probably it because they have a lot of the same problems we do. Yeah, they, they don't score well either. They are offensively challenged too. I saw they got beat uh, by Tennessee. Was that Tennessee? I think it was by 34 points. Hmm. So they, they, I watched a little bit of the first of the game. They got behind by 20 really quick, kind of similar to what we've been doing. So it may be a good matchup. It'd be at their place, uh, which is going to be tough. But uh, I, I think this team is maybe slowly but surely, you know, we got beat pretty good last night, but there was a few flashes, a few – Akuba inside played pretty well. Uh, Breakfield, like I said, and Ruffin came on at the end. And if we get Morrell to, to to do more better outside, he shoots his three is really struggling. He had to go inside. He made a few shots inside. Now, maybe what he has to do until that three starts clicking for him, he may just have to go inside, take short shots, little 10 footers until he can get it going and get his confidence back. You know, um, watching the game, I was listening to the announcers and they were describing the difference between Alabama players and Morrell in that one situation where the Alabama player went in, looked for contact, got it, and then made the shot in hope of a three-point play. Um, Morrell, they said, it looked like he was trying to just avoid contact, which sometimes that led to a less advantageous shots, and no chance for a foul. And he's a one of our better free throw shooters. You would think getting to the foul line would be something that he would be trying to do. 
that's something they're working on. I know the NBA scouts are, are looking at Morrell. He, he's got potential. He has the talent, the body. I think he's 6'4", around 200 maybe. Uh, he's a finesse player. Uh, that's that's kind of the difference. Some guys like to rough it up. I was one of those that like to rough it up inside, and and uh, he, he struggles with that. He likes to kind of slide it in there and get around and throw it, and hopefully it, it bounces off the backboard, goes in, or he goes in for a dunk. Uh, as you saw it, and they mentioned it, he's not that type of player. He needs to become that player to, for the next level. If he wants to play, he's going to have to come. He's going to have to be more aggressive, and, and uh, finesse going to have to kind of go away other than on the three. He's a great three-point shooter when he's hitting, but when he's not, he, he don't help a whole lot. He don't rebound well. I don't know Kermit brought it up on a post-game interview the other night that uh, he don't he had no zero rebounds against Tennessee, zero. Uh, it, it's really hard to see that how that could happen. But we'll look on the positive. I'm, I'm hoping that, that uh, Breakfield continue to play well. Ruffin will come through. It'd be nice if Abram would, you know, hit a few. Uh, hopefully he'll come through. I still like James White. He's a great shooter, great scorer. For whatever reason, uh, his confidence is not there. He, he, he's not shooting well. I think he's uh, – a defensive detriment that we talked about. He, he don't bring the defense and Kermit don't play, but he knows he needs him on the offensive end. Hopefully Abram will come through. Uh, Caldwell can score. Some of these guys, uh, they don't need to be out there shooting. We, we've talked about Robert Allen. He don't need to be out there at the three shooting. Miles struggles at the three. I think they let him have a few uh, last night and he hit one. I was glad to say that. But some of these guys don't really need to be out there shooting the ball. Uh, they're not, they're not going to shoot at a good percentage. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Tim, thank you very much for stopping by today. Hopefully they can turn it around a little bit when they go down to Starville, man. Yeah, we got to be positive. You know, we're Ole Miss Rebels. We're a, we're a team as a fans, and we want to root them on. I want to give Kermit credit where credit's due. He's he, he knows how to do this. He's done it in the past. If these guys are coming together, uh, hopefully we can give. If we can't win at Starville, play a great game and make it close to be nice to win. And come back home and try to get Auburn and and I think there's Georgia after that. So there's several teams you know that we can beat. There's the South Carolinas. There's the Georgia. Several of those teams in the bottom realm right now. I believe we can beat at home, but we need to steal a few games away from home. If we steal a few games, we need to be back up in the picture. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, we will see you guys tomorrow and. Um, hopefully, we can get one in Mississippi State and we're going to start baseball coverage a little bit next week as well. Also, go see the um, Ole Miss Lady Rebels and the Vanderbilt Commodores tonight at the Pavilion. That should be a good game. It's like, I don't know exactly the time. But anyway, thank you, Tim, and um, we'll see everybody tomorrow.